0: Hello, welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love hosted by Richard Osler. Uh, My guest on today's podcast is uh, two women, um, both identify as gay, and they're married to each other, and they're attending LDS Church, and they've started an Instagram account that we'll talk about. It's called The Fourth Option. But Welcome to the podcast, Ryan and Liz.
1: Hi, we're so glad to be here.
0: Ryan and Liz. I'll introduce each of them individually, and just give a little bit of overview of their story, and um, then we'll get them talking about their story, how they came to terms with their sex orientation, how they found each other, why they decided to get married, and why they continue to attend church, and and what people are doing to support them, and how we can better support couples that are that want to attend church in a same-sex marriage. Um, I'll start with Ryan. How do I say your last name? Is it Giles? Yes. And yep. Ryan and Liz, since they're married, they both take the name Giles. So Ryan Giles, um, she is, um, grew up in South Jordan, went to Bingham High School, um, currently is an EMT, and um, served a mission. Tell our listeners where you served. It's off the coast of Australia.
1: It is. Um, the mission was the Vanuatu Port Vila Mission, and I served in the country of New Caledonia.
0: And what language did you speak, Ryan?
1: I actually spoke French. It's a French territory.
0: You spoke French. And were there a lot of sisters in the mission?
1: Quite a few in in the the country that I was in, especially. Uh, It was a pretty solid half and half.
0: And and, um, we visited before we went live because I'm a hurricane junkie, and I'm aware that uh, Category 5, a super typhoon or whatever they're called in the Southern Hemisphere, hit part of your mission. Um, but didn't hit you, but you were on communication blackout and your family didn't know if you were okay or not, and you were okay. So, anyway, thanks for your service um, in that part of the world. I'd love to go there someday. Um, and you're an EMT right now, but you're working towards something else. Tell our listeners professionally what you're working towards.
1: Yeah, I just got into a program to uh, get a master's in occupational therapy. So, Hoping to, um, well, not hoping to, I'm going to go through that program and uh, become an occupational therapist to, yeah, help. I'd love to do pediatrics, so hopefully help kind of like kids um, either rehabilitate from injury or uh, help kind of raise their like fine motor and gross motor skills.
0: That is great. Um, R- Ryan is um, 28 and now I'll introduce um her wife, Liz, Liz Giles grew up in um, Yakima, Washington, where this couple now makes their home, served a mission in the Scottsdale, Arizona mission. Um, I'm not aware of any hurricanes that have hit the Scottsdale <laughs> mission, but you get monsoons that intrigue me.
2: A lot of monsoons.
0: <laughs> and um, you're a little younger than your wife. You're 25. Um um, tell our listeners what you do. You're a teacher, but you also work with outdoor programs.
2: Yeah, so I got my degree in uh, secondary English ed and taught high school English for two years. And then um, we had the opportunity to move back here to Yakma from Houston um, so I could uh, help build an outdoor education program through the summer camp that I grew up working at and attending, um, which is also where we got married.
0: That's great. And um, we visited before we went live about Houston, and it turns out you live very close to where my wife grew up, the Spring Branch area, which is just a little west of downtown Houston. Um, My wife's family doesn't live there anymore, lives more in the Copperfield area, but I love that area, Memorial City, Spring Branch. I love Houston, and I'm glad you had a couple of years to live there. Um, they're going to talk about their story of um, figuring out their sexual orientation. They both identify as gay. Um, meeting each other at BYU, um, being married in 2021. Listeners, you may wonder why I would you know I'm an active Latter-day Saint. This podcast supported the church. Why I would um, like to have somebody in a same-sex marriage on the podcast. And a couple of reasons. One is um, I want to provide a platform for um, all stories in this space, as long as they're respective of the church. And one of the principles of this podcast is people, LGBTQ people, have to write their own story. Um, And I think it's good for them at a range of stories as they figure out their best path forward. I'll always invite people to follow church teachings, but at the end of the day, I'll say, you've got to receive personal revelation on what your path is, and I'll walk with you, and I'll leave it all at Christ's feet. also respect these two women for wanting to stay engaged in the church. And there's a, you know, I don't know, a couple dozen couples I'm aware of that are in same-sex marriages and, and continue to attend church. And, and why would they do that? <laughs> well, they can tell their story <laughs> on the podcast, but a lot just have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's their spiritual home. And um, the couples that I'm aware of um, aren't asking to have temple recommends. They know they're living outside of church teachings, but they hope they're welcome. And as Elder Uchtdorf has taught, there should be no belief or behavior, no sign at the door that says your testimony needs to be this high to enter, which to me is teaching a principle that the gate is wide at the congregation level and everybody should feel welcome and we shouldn't be sifting at the congregation level. And um, so they're pro- I think most of their experience has been positive. And I look at that as a maturing of of our church to welcome everybody and not create a feeling of judgment or sifting at the congregation level. Um, so that's the end of my introduction. They're also going to talk about the Instagram account. They've, created which we'll link to in the show notes it's called the fourth option with some um the dot fourth dot option we'll put that in the show notes so you can check out their account they're sharing their story there it's just a beautiful story of um, a wonderful love story of these two women finding each other and i'm glad you have each other and share your lives with so with that i'll turn it over to ryan or liz or whoever wants to take the lead
2: yeah. Um, so as you were mentioning the order of realizing your sexuality and then um, finding each other and stuff. It's kind of funny because our entire story is kind of flipped. <laughs> um, we fell in love before we realized we were gay. And we in in some ways um, got engaged before we really started dating. <laughs> Not really, but kind of, um, and we, yeah, just everything is kind of a little bit flipped. So we're excited to tell you about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for, for me, this is Ryan speaking for, uh, for me, I didn't necessarily have any concept of the idea that I, uh, that I might be gay up until I fell in love with Liz. Um, I wasn't really all of all that, uh, interested in boys i didn't really have strong crushes on anyone really growing up and and that was a little odd but i figured eventually you know that would happen and i would meet someone who was i don't know interesting enough or exciting enough or whatever <laughs> it was that, that had not been enough up to that point and uh, things would would fall into place and uh it turns out that was true it just wasn't in the way i was expecting <laughs> um so, yeah, so I grew up in the church. Um, my On my mom's side, uh, they're all like pioneers back to the founding of the church. And then on my dad's side, um, my grandparents converted when he was about six. And so grew up in the church, um, served a mission, and uh, I came back and was kind of just expecting everything to go in the, I, I guess, the usual pattern of things. Um, so that's kind of my background.
2: Yeah. And on my side, I also grew up in the church, um, but three of my four grandparents are converts. um, So we didn't have as much of the history there. Um, And when I look back, there are so many clues and so many signs that I was gay from a really young age. Um, But I no, that was not an option. And I... I just assumed that's how everyone felt about their friends, um, their close friends. And turns out it's not. Um, But throughout uh, the later part of high school, I did uh, go on a lot of dates with boys. And um, it's really funny looking back at my journal entries because it would be I'd be talking about this guy that liked me. And I'd be like, yeah, he has he has a nice personality or he's uh, he's ambitious Um, But there was never, there's never anything really there. Um, And so I guess when, when I ended up falling in love with Ryan, I was surprised, but I also internally, once I got past like the, the layers and layers of denial, I wasn't that surprised.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we, um, we met when I moved in next door to her, we were both students at BYU. And um, one of my friends from high school uh, was her roommate. And so I moved in next door to them so that I wouldn't know somebody when uh, I had just gotten off with of my mission and didn't know a whole lot of people that were uh, at school at that time. So um, and then uh, that's how we met is when I was hanging out with my friend from high school, she would uh, come and hang out with us as well. And embarrassingly I'm an introvert I don't make friends very easily and so in my experience if my roommates had friends over I might you know say hi as I pass through and then I would intentionally avoid <laughs> being around new people and so I did not make an effort to get to know her name because I didn't uh, anticipate her being around all that much um and all of I was three wrong. letters so <laughs> uh so it took me a while to even remember her name but we got to be pretty good friends and Um, And then at the end of that school year, uh, her and my friend from high school and a couple of our other friends, we all uh, became roommates in uh, another apartment. Mm -hmm. And so then we became even closer friends. We, there was a really good group of people. We, you know, spent a lot of time together and had game nights and made, you know, weekly roommate dinners together and
2: Night hiked the Y, did all sorts of game nights, uh, went to the temple together pretty often. Just lots of lots of bonding time as a group of the six of us women. Um, and one of the things that we did a lot as an apartment group was we we played improv games. Um, And one of the ones that we played, we would write down different lines um, on pieces of paper and then um partway through acting something out uh we'd ha- they'd say stop and then you'd have to draw a line and say whatever it
1: said and then like a who's line there. is it anyway kind of situation
2: mm-hmm. um and over the course of that school year we just kept Ryan and I just kept ending up in situations where we were acting as a couple either because of the line or the situations um you know we would have to propose to each other or be parents trying to figure out what to do with a crazy teenage child or, um, anything in between.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and so as a, as a joke, we started calling each other babe just in reference to all of the, uh, the, the situations that we were put in during those improv games. Um, and then over time we kind of started to realize that, uh, but it maybe wasn't as fake, you know, our our little our relationship or a bit wasn't as as fake as we wanted to pretend it was. So um, but yeah, we we at that point had gotten to know each other really well. We'd spend a lot of time, you know, like with each other just in social situations and just like having one-on-one conversations and uh and so then it was around the end of that school year that we unexpectedly for both of us just like realized that uh that this wasn't really a friend relationship anymore that that we were very much in love with each other so mm-hmm.
2: yeah although even even then even after we had acknowledged those feelings and said I love you and all of that um I was still convinced or trying to convince myself, I guess, that I was straight. And this was just a fluke that sometimes just happens to roommates. Uh, So at that point, and it still took me another year after that, before I uh, acknowledged even to myself that I was gay. It took you a little
1: bit less time. A little bit less. Yeah. But I, I had less going on um, in terms of, I I didn't have these years of denial, um, you know, where (laughs) it was more just a, I fell in love. I realized, well, this is, you know, I'm, I'm in love with Liz. So what does that mean? You know? And, and then I had a little bit of denial because it's scary. You know, it really changes, it changes a little bit of everything. Um,
2: well, it, it changes potentially an entire eternal trajectory, at least according to our current theology. And that's, that's a lot to face down. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, you you don't really fall in love with a girl unless you're kind of wired to fall in love with a girl, I think. And so it was a, at that point, I kind of just accepted that. But it took me another year to feel comfortable enough to admit it to anyone other than myself, um, because I had a lot of questions about what you know, how does that work with my faith, and and what does my future look like if if I'm gay and. What do I want to do with that? You know, what path do I want to take? And and I didn't have answers for anything, any of it. Um, and so it took me about a, a year of uh, wrestling with those questions before I was able to come out to anyone else.
2: Yeah. And on my side of things, we're winding back to um, when we fell in love. So a year back. Um, at this point, I was in the process of completing my mission paperwork. Um, I was like, like you said, a a few years younger than Ryan. So I was 19 at this time. Um, And this definitely upended my plans a little bit because I was suddenly in love with a woman and knew how I felt, but also had received so many strong promptings that I should serve a mission and that that's where the Lord needed me to be for that next year and a half. And so, um, it took some soul searching, trying to decide, um, if I was going to move forward with that, but I decided that I was ready to commit 110% to, uh, serving the Lord. And so I, um, talked with my bishop and my stake president um, in Provo. And then um, after doing a study abroad, um, after that semester ended, I also communicated with my bishop and stake president um, here in Yakima. And after some time of processing and working through that, I um, was able to submit my mission papers and then get my call uh, later that summer. Um, um, But when I headed off on my mission, I was still in the denial that I was actually gay or same-sex attracted and um, just thought that was a a fluke. That was very much real, but it was, you know, I'm still, I'm I'm still straight, you know, just high key in love with someone. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I headed off on my mission and um, it wasn't until about halfway through my mission that I finally came to a head with my sexuality and, um, realized that that wasn't something that was just going away that, um, I had been consistently attracted to different women throughout my life and still was. Um, so that was like a really, a really lonely and really scary time in my mission because I didn't, feel like I could talk to anyone um, because I was still really committed to serving. Um, and so I was I was scared to like tell anyone because I didn't want them to be like, oh, well, you should go home then, even though I was you know, I was worthy and I still desired to serve. Um, and i don't I don't think that would have happened, but that that's where I was at at that point. Um so I didn't tell anyone um, for quite a while. Um, and, but that definitely sent me into a really dark place of reading all these things across the history of the church and gospel library about queer people, you know, reading the talks of, of Kimball and Clark and others that, you know, said some really hurtful things about our community that were definitely outdated and, and not the current stance of the church in terms of like homosexuals being Deviance and um of the devil and um it being a disease and things like that, but it's still a lot of that is still there in the Gospel library app.
1: Um, so yeah, that was a that was a, a rougher time um for sure mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, and so while she was still on her mission, <laughs> excuse me, I'm so sorry, um while she was still on her mission. Uh, and while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, um, the way that I saw it and the way a a lot of people that I talked to kind of see things, there are really only three options for, uh, for LGBTQ people in the church. And that is, you know, you can, um, you can try to remain single and, and celibate, um, and you know, in that way you're able to, to fully participate in the church. And, um, then the second option is you can pursue a mixed orientation marriage, um, and, you know, date people who you might not be fully attracted to, but who you, you might, you know, love in other ways, like, as you know, kind of more as like a, a deep emotional connection or, or a friendship. And, um, and then the third option would be to date someone that you are attracted to, but the way that that i understood it is that if you were to do that you you pretty much had to leave the church like there there's no way for you to stay and still be able to date someone that you're attracted to and so um and so i i really wrestled with a lot of those um and i would kind of choose one and say i think this is the right path i think this is what i feel like i need to do and i i really intended to do it and to stick with it. And I would pray about it and I would, um, work on it. And I would, I would talk, you know, about the, the concept of it with people in, you know, usually in an abstract, cause I wasn't out at that point, but, um, and I just felt sick to my stomach. Right. And, and so I would eventually after a few months, I'd say, well, I, that must not be right because I just cannot feel settled about this, you know? And, then I would decide on another one and I'd start, you know, pursuing it essentially in whatever way that meant and just would feel sick to my stomach about it. And, uh, and so I'd switch to the third one and feel terrible about that. And um, so by the end of that, like year, um, I was just kind of exhausted even thinking about it. And I'd kind of just given up, deciding on anything essentially. I just sort of was like, I'll just stop thinking about it for a while and come back to it later. Um and the benefit
2: of being at BYU at the time
1: and <laughs> is I kind of had the opportunity <laughs> to set that aside because there wasn't much I could do about much of anything anyway without having to switch uh, colleges. So <laughs> um that bought you some time. A little <laughs> bit. So I had kind of just set it aside. Um like it was still there in the back of my mind, but I wasn't actively trying to figure out what my path forward was going to look like. Um, and, uh, I got, I think it was just a a back to school blessing from my dad. Um, and I wasn't expecting much. Uh, I mean, you know, I was expecting a, a great back to school blessing, but I wasn't expecting any answers or anything. Um, and he didn't know. And my dad, I hadn't come out. My dad didn't know anything about, uh, what I had been worrying about. Um, they did know that my plan after graduation was that I was going to uh, renovate kind of a camper van and get a big dog and travel the country. And uh, they didn't like that plan very much, but that was, that was my plan. And um, so when my dad gave me the blessing, uh, he, in it he, he said that I would live a life uncommon is the phrasing he used. And he paused for a long time before he said it because he didn't, know what he meant by that and he didn't really like the phrasing but he just felt very impressed that that was what he needed to tell me was that I would live a life uncommon and um and it just hit me with such force this idea that I hadn't thought of before that I could marry someone I loved and was attracted to and still stay in the church as much as uh, possible you know participate as much as I was able And, uh, that had never occurred to me before. Um, that wasn't an option I'd seen modeled or talked about. And, um, and it just felt right. It felt like the right thing to do. It felt like what I was supposed to do. And so, um, as he kind of wrapped the blessing up, I was just sobbing. I, I could barely, yeah, I couldn't even talk. And, um, he was confused because he really thought that he thought that maybe that meant the whole, you know, van trip and so he was like if that's what you want to do like we won't stop you and uh so he was confused about my reaction and i i still wasn't ready to come out so i didn't tell him anything and but um that was the first time that i thought that that, that could be an option and so uh the more i thought about it you know there's still a lot of unknowns like i didn't know if i'd be able to find anyone who would be willing to do that with me, or if I would still be doing it kind of on my own, but you know, still be married to someone who would at least be supportive of me attending, right? And, um, and I, I didn't know how people in the church would react to that, um, if I would be able to retain my membership in the church. Uh, so there were still a lot of questions, but it just felt right for the first time in like a year. I didn't feel sick to my stomach. It, I, I was. It felt very peaceful and calm. and um, so yeah, that was kind of how I came to that concept. So, um a couple months after that, after I'd let that simmer and uh, and after I'd found a few more answers and a little more peace and things, then I came out to my family, and they were all they were all really amazing, even even people I had uh, worried about coming out to, um, really surprise me with how accepting they were, um, and how kind. So that was, uh, also really helpful was just having people know and being able to be open. Um, but yeah. And so then that's kind of where I was planning to go after I graduated, because again, I was so close to graduation at BYU. Uh, I wasn't about to do anything that would uh, jeopardize that. Yeah.
2: And then, um, Rewinding again, kind of back to uh, things in Arizona. Um, I uh, finished out my missionary service. um, And at the end of that, um, I came out to my mission president. Um, And at this point, I, I was really terrified to go home because I knew that I'd been biding time before having to figure out what my sexuality meant. And um, I knew I would have to start facing that. And I was really scared about what that would mean, either for my activity in the church or for my my happiness in a partnership. Um, and when I came out to my mission president um, before going home, he told me, he encouraged me to hang on because we never know what could change. Um. And I asked him later, like what he meant by that. And he said, he didn't know, um, just that he felt inspired to say it at the moment. And, um, that was something that, uh, really stuck with me in the following years. I was figuring out my path. Um, yeah. So I, I went home in, um, in April of 2019. Um, and, uh, was not planning on coming out to my family at that time or really to many people at all, but I did start coming out to a couple of uh, close friends and others that had made it clear that they were um, allies um, to the community, whereas um, I, I guess my family had never really thought about or talked about that so I didn't entirely know where they would stand so it was it was scarier the idea of coming out to them so I didn't at that time um and later that summer um I at the camp that I now work at year round I I roped a couple of missionaries uh for my mission that had just also gotten home into coming with me um and working there um but one of them ended up um, early on in that summer professing his love to me. Um, (laughs) And I ended up coming out to him and that kind of propelled me into coming out to a lot of people, um, including my mom, um, which ended up being a pretty positive experience. Um, But I do remember, um, although I had not really planned on coming out to people, um, doing that definitely lifted a weight off of my shoulder because it wasn't so much a secret anymore and I wasn't I wasn't holding as much in so even though I didn't really have answers or know what option I would be pursuing um I just I felt really relieved yeah so in this interim between getting home from my mission and us going back to BYU um we had a lot of discussions about what our boundaries would look like because we we were committed to still being best friends um but we you know, we wanted to make sure that we did not um, I guess pursue something we weren't ready for,
1: yeah, yeah, and so we um we set a lot of uh kind of clear boundaries, had a lot of talks about what each of us wanted to do in the future and and both of us, I think worked really hard to, you know be really respectful and supportive of each other's uh, choices, even if they didn't necessarily match what we were choosing or frankly, what we wanted the other person to choose. Um, And uh, so that was an interesting time because we, I think we both, not, I think we, we Mm -hmm. both were still very much in love with each other, but uh, that wasn't the kind of, I don't know, that wasn't the kind of relationship that, that we were, um, willing to have at that time. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, so we, we stayed just like close friends for the next year and a half. I think after you got home from your mission, year. Yeah. About a year. And, uh, and then at the end of that year, um, I was about to graduate and Liz was, uh, pretty close to graduating too. She was about to start her student teaching and, uh, and then the COVID pandemic hit. Um, and so at that, well, I'll let you tell that part.
2: Um, so throughout that whole school year, I was doing kind of this whole searching that Ryan had did the year or two prior. Um, uh, and I would oscillate between thinking I would pursue that first option of being single and celibate and then between pursuing a mixed orientation relationship. And so I would be on mutual and try to go on lots of dates and my heart wasn't in it. And I just. Every option I was considering, just like how Ryan had said, just made me feel sick to my stomach. And I just felt so unsettled and really depressed and really hopeless about what my life would look like um it just felt like a long time um and i know that like we often hear in the church of oh well things will work out in the eternities but honestly that just made me feel like i should just rush things up until eternities and that wasn't a good space to be in um and so i was really really actively seeking answers from god being like this is i i i feel no hope i feel no goodness with my plan um and just before the pandemic hit um i spent a week in dc i was supposed to present at a conference but then 5 hours after i got off the plane um i got a call saying that it had been canceled because of this new pandemic that was hitting the states um and so I was kind of I ended up stranded in DC for a week, <laughs> um, which was honestly so perfect because it gave me a week to just really pour out my heart to God and consider things and be removed from the situation in Provo. Um, and by the end of that week, I'd received an answer um that I was supposed to pursue a relationship with Ryan, that, that was Good, and that God approved, and that He wanted us to be together, um despite the unconventionality of it. Um, and that I should also strive to stay as close to the Savior as I could. Um, and finally, for the first time in in that year, but also in the the time on my mission, I like really felt peace, and I felt
1: hope for what my future would look like. Yeah. And so uh, she got home from that conference and um, pretty, pretty soon after she got home, uh, she said, Hey, I, uh, I did a lot of thinking and um, I think we should date. And I said, that sounds amazing. And then she also said, uh, and I, I, Will you marry me? Wow. And I said, that sounds great. Um, also knowing that date, I though.
2: Yeah. Well, and I also still had another year um before I graduated. So I kind of knew we had some
1: time to actually <laughs> formally date. So I figured. <laughs> yeah. So in some ways our timeline was very mixed up because you know, we <laughs> we uh fell in love and then avoided each other kind of for a bit and then became best friends, became, you know, and then got engaged and then dated and but I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, it all worked out. So, um, yeah. So then we, we dated for a year. Um, but during the pandemic, so it was definitely a very, uh, low key time. Um, and then in 2021, uh, we got married at the summer camp that she'd been working at for quite a long time at that mm-hmm. point, um, that she works at now. And, uh, and that was beautiful. and. Yeah, our families were really supportive and um, really loving, and for the most part, for the most part, um, you know, there were there were a few members of our family that that had harder times, or who who still have mm-hmm, a hard time sometimes with our our relationship, and and that's okay. And and I think, um, well, one, so many people have been so supportive, it really softens the blow of the the people who aren't. Um, so that's, we're, we're so grateful for that. Um, and one of the other things that I, I try really hard to keep in mind is to give people time and give people grace because, you know, I had quite a few years of unlearning and relearning and and time to come to terms with what being gay meant for me or what it might mean for my loved ones, you know, that, that I would be pursuing an unconventional path. And I had all this time to come to terms with all of that. Um, but for my family, you know, they kind of had to start that process when I came out to them. And so to expect them to be where I was at, uh, right away is, is unreasonable, you know, and I found that the more time I give people, uh, often the, how to put this, they, they tend to surprise me with, uh, with where they come to and the, the way that they react when they're given the time to process, you know, that, that I had taken for myself. So, um, yeah, so that's actually, you know, been really good. And, and a lot of, even some of our family members who took it a little harder at first have, uh, really become some of our most amazing allies and most amazing supporters. Um, so i'm a, I'm a big proponent for you know giving people the time that that we needed ourselves essentially to uh, to get used to things. Um, yeah, but that was our our wedding was amazing, and now we've been married for about two and a half years. right after we got married, we moved to Houston um, for some job opportunities and some school stuff and uh, and really loved it there. Um, our our ward there was really supportive and um really friendly and we just felt so much love from so many people in in our ward there. Um had a, a really good relationship with our bishop and our state president and other members of the the presidencies. Um and that was really nice. Um made some really good friends yeah. and
2: and it was it was interesting there. Um and we'll we'll compare this to our experience in our new ward here in Yakima babe. but um in that ward people really welcomed us with loving arms um but our the fact that we were married to each other or the fact that we were gay was very much uh, an unspoken elephant in the room um but it it that elephant didn't hinder their their kindness um but it was interesting because it did feel in some ways like uh we were leaving that part of ourselves at the door like we were we were kind of seen
1: as uh what's the yeah they they loved having us there and, and and us being there but I feel like the fact that we were married was uh like uh, unacknowledged um which is okay uh, in some ways you know and in, in some ways that was um i don't know i don't know I think that especially, was
2: easier. yeah especially with that being our first ward that we were in together we just I, I don't know if we were ready to have all those conversations about that yet um and so you know it was i think in some ways what we needed at that point mm-hmm. um but in our ward here um i feel like people see us more as our whole like holistic selves um and will are not afraid of mentioning like the word gay or mentioning the word wife um and
1: And which has its uh its positives and its challenges um Mm -hmm. because for some people you know they're they're very uh intentional in like advocating for us and uh, in acknowledging our identities. Um, but for other people, uh, they're also a little more outspoken in their unsurety, essentially, about why we're there or what our intentions are, what our agenda is, and, and that sort of thing. And so it can be a little more challenging um, because the, the support is more outspoken, but so is uh, some of the, the fear. I think some members. And so it's, it's different. I would say they've both been uh, actually net positive experiences, mm-hmm. but it has been a little different in each ward that we've attended.
2: Yeah. We feel a little bit more seen as our whole selves in this one. Um, but in some ways also felt a little bit more comfortable in our last ward in some way. I mean, it just in different ways, but yeah. 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 So not saying either
1: one is the right way to go per se. But yeah. I don't know that one of them really is necessarily better than the other, just different. yeah Um but yeah, but we've really found that as we've been attending church, um the the individual members in particular have just made I I felt connected to my wards in ways that I never felt before attending as uh as a as a gay couple. And um and i think a lot of that is because i've found that the individual members are so uh quick to to come meet us where we're at and to come say hey we we want you here we're glad you were that you're here we we want your voices um and that's been just really uh incredible to know that that we're I'm so sorry. I'm having a hard time uh, vocalizing this thought, but I, I guess it's such a Christ-like way to uh, approach someone to say that you know you enrich our community by being here. We we need your voice to be the whole body of Christ, and and we we want to know what your experience is like because it makes our experience that much more well-rounded and. Um, being on the receiving end of that kind of like Christ like inclusion has been i think one of the most spiritual things that i've ever experienced
2: mm-hmm. and it's also been really cool getting to be able to be a part of people's faith journeys um in helping them stay like we have we've had several friends or or like family members of ward members who have told us like seeing you here, despite everything that that comes with has made it feel like I can stay and like that I can be here to show up for the one and to focus on my relationship with Christ, even though I have struggles with X, Y, and Z in the church. Um, And um, both in, in Houston and in Utah, where Ryan's homeward is and um here now. Um we just kept getting um reached out to by board members and stake members and people we'd never even met, being like, Hey, can you uh, talk with my friend or my daughter wants to talk to you or my friend?
1: Um yeah, basically just saying I I, I know someone who is looking for more options who isn't sure what they want to do because they really, you know, they, they cherish their faith, but they also, you know, are gay or, or whatever intersection of, of faith and sexuality, you know, they're experiencing. And, um, and so we would talk with them and, and pretty much, we just kept meeting these people who are just like, I just feel so limited in my choices and I, I don't know where to go from here. And so that's kind of why we decided to create this Instagram account about a month and a half ago now, um, just to try and see if we could connect some of those people who are looking for more options than just the the three that we're presented at, but as having, you know, as, um, as LGBTQ LDS people, um, And it's been really amazing getting to connect with all of these people in just uh, a a myriad of circumstances who love their faith and who love Jesus and who love this community, you know, this LDS community that maybe they've grown up in or or have joined later and I don't know, and who, who want to have both, who don't want to choose between the two, but just want to still be able to hold both parts of their identities uh, equally as true, you know?
2: Yeah. So it's been really incredible and we're grateful for all the people we've gotten to connect with and who've strengthened our faith and our relationship. And I don't know, we just, we feel very seen and very heard and very loved. Um, And we hope that we're able to create a space for other people to also feel seen and loved and like they they have all of the options in the world open to them. Um not just the the traditional three
0: thank you um Ryan and Liz. It's um really an honor to have you on the podcast and share your story and just listen to it for the first time like our listeners are listening to the first time. I wish our listeners could see you on the screen like I can, because the interaction between you is so wonderful and the grace and knowing when it's somebody else's turn to talk and you balance each other so well, you know each other so well, and you're so complimentary and compatible with each other. Um, And now you're giving each other a little hug, which is just great. Um, This is just a really wonderful podcast listeners. And I've done so many of these that every time I listen to somebody, I hear a sort of a different story within the LGBTQ space. It just reminds me of my younger self that knew a couple gay people and thought, well, I've kind of checked that group of people off and I can move on. But there's so many different stories and experiences within this space that we're all grateful. You're listening to this podcast and getting to know more um, queer people. Cause I just think that helps us do better. Um, here's some of the things. Um, first of all, just thank you for the missions you served and the people's lives you blessed, the courage to serve missions. It's not required of you to, you know, as as female Latter-day Saints, um, the education you've gotten, both of you, um, your education is focused on helping other people. Um, outside of this whole story of your sexual orientation and being married, there's this there's so and that's a good story too, but there's this personal story of just who you two are and the good that you've done in our society, in our church, and our community, and and the good you continue to do. You two are just terrific women. Um, so thank you just on behalf of a fellow Latter-day Saint for your courage to serve and all the good you're doing in so many circles. Um and I still want to go to that island off of the side of Af- australia i can't remember if it's the west sure, East. it's
1: gorgeous there
0: i've seen some pics um one of the things that i think of rhetorically and maybe we won't spend time on this too much is just culturally um men are conditioned it's okay to have sexual feelings and sometimes culturally we're trying to we're the men are out of control and culturally the women are not out of control in fact we're trying to you know, get you to dress more modestly because the boys are out of control. And I wonder if culturally we haven't allowed women to have sexual feelings or open up about or be willing to understand their sexual orientation as easy as it is for men. Most of the stories I hear from women are, um, they come to this a little bit later than men. I don't know if that's true. Um, listeners, um, it's just sort of an impression or a trend line I've seen in my personal experience. And, um, I think it's a reason I bring that up. I think it's a really good thing that people figure out their sexual orientation before they make major life decisions. And I think that's one of the great, um, accomplishments and messages of your story is, is you, you know, you figured out your sexual orientation being gay, before you made major life decisions, and you took that to God um, as part of your receiving personal revelation in the equation. So it's, and I think better information reads to better revelation. I just think, you know, so that's one of the things I've really come to believe is that, you know, people need to figure out their sex orientation if they're not 100% heterosexual. Um, before they make major life decisions, come out to God, come out to themselves, and really figure out their best path forward um, for vision of strength, um, which you two, I think, have really done a great job of that. Um, it's not been easy, but I think it's been really, very thoughtful. and um, and so and there's culturally, it's easier for two women to be together. We wouldn't think of you as a couple. As a as a gay couple, if you're hanging out together, if you even have your arms around each other, why two men your age at BYU probably and so there's an I don't know what that means. It's just a different culture a little bit. And so some might say, Well, you just were allowed to to sort of be together. Um, and so you really aren't gay, you just emotionally connected. Um, and I think that the listeners are pretty clear that that's not true. That's my younger self that might've tried to manufacture a backstory. These are two straight women that just spent so much time <laughs> together that they emotionally connected. And you said something, Ryan, really powerful. I wrote this down. If I got it word for word, you don't fall in love with a girl unless you're, wi- unless you're wired to like girls. And, um, <laughs> I think that those that really, you know, that's my feeling is that, this is your sexual orientation. Um, you're wired you're for this, you know, to the same sex. And this, some of my listeners have talked about it. it's more than sexual orientation. It's emotional, you know. It's intellectual. It's everything I'm wired about. I'm wired to the same sex, including sexual orientation. So just Can I say
2: some, something about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, in my patriarchal blessing, it says that within my marriage, I would experience all that is physical, emotional, and spiritual. Um, and that line actually was a big part of my coming to terms with my sexuality um, and choosing to marry Ryan because I knew really deep inside me that that was not possible with a man. And I tried. I tried really hard to make that possible, but that that's just not how I was wired. And with Ryan, it was just so easy.
0: And natural, so and I I do, you know, there are some marriages where someone goes into a marriage and you know they aren't really sure of their sexual orientation, or they made of and so there's stories of marriages that haven't worked because of someone sort of becoming aware of their sexual orientation down the road. So, I, 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 and I also recognize that some mixed orientation marriages really work, listeners. We've had those on the podcast, and I think those do best when the person who's not straight comes out to the person who's straight and they both get personal revelation for that. But those marriages can work. And so this is a platform that's sort of saying get personal revelation, be open about who you are, um, get that internalized homophobia out of you so you can really be honest with who you are, get personal revelation, be honest with family and people you're dating. And I just think then there's better outcomes. Some of those outcomes aren't within church teachings. I don't want to harp on that too much. We all know that, but you're not outside of God's love and our love and being welcome in the church. And um, so I I look at this as, and I look at the the background of your relationship as a really healthy relationship. I'm not a marriage counselor, but (laughs) I recognize that marriage is where there's this long foundation of friendship and trust and communication and Wrestling through hard things and the sort of the tools that are built as part of the foundation of your marriage make for a better marriage because you've already developed some of the tools um, that sometimes culturally people get married pretty quick and then they develop those after the marriage and they can still be great marriages. But some I just sense you went into this marriage with a lot of foundation um, and it probably wasn't a big, jarring change of life just to go from unmarried to married. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Getting married to Ryan was the easiest thing ever. And adapting to married life with her was so was easy and so good. Journey.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, uh, yeah. younger self listeners, when I would have heard somebody receive personal revelation outside of church teachings, I would have said, you know, this is Satan deceiving you or this is you just wanting to do what you want to do from a selfish standpoint. I'm sorry to say that out loud. Um, My older self would just say, I just trust you to to receive revelation that you're receiving. And it's not not my job to judge your personal revelation. And I sort of, there's a book that's written called Both Things Can Be True. So the way I navigate that is I support our church leaders, our church teachings, our church doctrine. We have the proclamation of the family. Hang in our home, and I support you too. <laughs> and the personal revelation that you got, the lives you're living, and my love for you, you know, I don't know you except this podcast. I just, you know, I sense you're staying close to God and, and doing, and I just leave any judgment. I used to have this false dichotomy, listeners, that to fully love and follow God, I need to stop loving some of his children, like LGBTQ people. And now I just feel like, unless they're, causing harm to me or others that I can just leave that all you know it just it, it, I can just leave that and say my job is to love it's not you know love the sin love the sinner hate the sin it's just love and there's no condition to that unless there's um unless there's needed boundaries because of a trauma or a painful or a abusive situation um, I think of a you know some would say well should I go to a same-sex wedding and I I wrestled with that for a while, and you know, then somebody told me about would would we as Latter Day Saints, if we were invited to uh, attend uh, an infant baptism for our Catholic friends, and most Latter Day Saints would go. They'd support their friends in their finest moment, and our doctrine's pretty clear about how we feel about infant baptism. So maybe it's like we just try to support people in their finest moments. And one of your finest or most important moments was. Your marriage. And there's a picture of that on your Instagram page. And I, you know, smiled when I saw you both together. And, and so it's your finest moments, the decision you've made. And so, you know, I'm glad that you had so much family there. And I don't think we're selling out God to be there. I think we're just loving his children and supporting them and leaving judgment um, at the feet of our Savior. Now, church discipline listeners, you know, I don't want to make this too much of my story. Um, and this is maybe for leaders wondering, or anybody just wondering, what what would I do if I were the bishop and had a same-sex couple um, coming to church? And the handbook um, doesn't require me to do anything. Um, there's things that require church discipline, and this isn't one of them. And so there's no res- there's no requirement to do church discipline. And a principle that my brother taught me is, I started my YSA assignment was to sort of counsel, He always felt like church discipline was not meant to bring somebody down, but it was meant to help somebody that wanted to fully return to the church, fully have a temple recommend in a positive way. And so some of the YSAs that were sexually active and not worthy of temple recommend, I would just counsel with them and say, would a church discipline help you? Um, it wasn't required, but it was optional. And and we'd counsel together and decide if that was actually helpful versus me just saying, this is what we're going to do or not going to do. And it helped me to get better personal revelation. And some of those wise days that want, I think the principle is they wanted to return to full activity. They wanted to have a temple record and they wanted to go through the church disciplinary process as part of that. And some didn't. They didn't really want at that point to return to full church activity. So I think it can drive people away just to do church discipline because we're standing up for the truth of the church or we're trying to, you know, in a loving way, This we think this will help you come back to the church. My experience generally is it drives people away. So I hope that's okay. I'm not really talking to you two. I'm just talking to people that might have priesthood responsibility or just people that I just think we what I think Jesus modeled his ministry is just help everybody feel welcome and belonging. And you don't have an agenda. You're not out to turn all the straight kids gay, but (laughs) um, that usually doesn't work. We know conversion therapy to make queer people straight (laughs) hasn't worked. So I don't think just you showing up in church is going to make straight people not straight, but it may help closeted LGBTQ people feel there's a you know there's a place for me or there's some representation for me, and they maybe have some suicidal ideation that they this helps to see stable, responsible, high functioning adults. Right. Um, just and I like what you pointed out. I think it was Liz that there's people in every congregation that are in faith crises, figuring if they're going to stay or leave in the church and never thought of it. They're sort of, I think some have reached out to you. Like you said, I hope people caught that and said, well, if you're willing to stay, maybe I can stay too. Um, Cause this is obviously complex being um, gay in a same sex marriage. So those are some of the thoughts I have listeners. Um, I think we need to be serious about this word belonging that our leaders are using. And now you have so many people that are helping you feel belong. So even though I'm, inviting us not to do church discipline. I don't want to, I want to thank all the people in your circle and your two wards that are helping you feel like you belong and are needed. Um, I, you know, I don't think you're activists. I don't think you're saying have a sign that says change church doctrine or wanting to do a pride parade in the middle of the third hour. We don't have third hour at the You know, you're smiling. Maybe that's (laughs) why they got rid of the
2: third
0: hour. So I don't, and I don't think you're saying, give me temple recommends. We want to have a temple same-sex marriage. You're recognizing these are the rules of the church. You just want to, you want, and hopefully you can even serve in ways that don't require a temple recommend. So I Hmm. kind of, I've spoken for about 10 minutes and I just want to see if there's anything I've said that's unsettling to you or anything you want to build on or just any direction you want to go.
1: No, none of that was unsettling. Um, I think the only the only thing that came to mind for me is is that is something that we do want to honor when we do share our story is that um you know those the first three paths that we talked about, they didn't work for us. they they weren't the right path for us, but we know a lot of people that uh, they do work for, and um you know, people in in each path that have chosen it, and that's where they feel that they need to be. And um, and we do always want to honor that, you know, their agency and uh, their revelation and absolutely choices, yeah, like this this whole fourth option is what we kind of call it, you know, of, of getting married or or dating someone of the same gender and and staying in the church it, it isn't necessarily for everybody, and uh and so yeah, just just honoring that that personal revelation of everybody is the most qualified person to know what their walk with God should look like.
2: Mm -hmm. So, and we will be honest, like this path is not easy. Like it it comes with a lot of pain and wrestling and unsurity on the like church membership side. You know, like we never know if we're going to go to church and that day, get a letter saying that a membership uh, council has been scheduled or, we never know what someone might say from the pulpit that might be triggering. Um, but it also comes with so much joy and peace. And um, I don't know, we just really treasure the opportunity to get to fellowship with saints and um, getting to continue our relationship with God and feeling the spirit in our home and getting to serve um. In the ways we're able so it's not an easy path but it's one that we've found a lot of beauty in and you know our we might change course in the future we never know like we're not saying that we will a hundred percent stay on the trajectory we're on now but um it's where we feel called to be at this time and so we're here
0: a lot of grace in your story i love that you know that you're you recognize this is not you're not an ally like me doesn't have a backstory so i can just sort of provide this platform to share lots of stories and i love that you've got a you've got a story because you're in this space um and it's a valid story it's an authentic story but you're not saying everybody's got to, the grace you give that it's not going to be everybody's story is very mature and I think that's, I'm seeing more of that and more of my guests are saying, this is just my story. Um, don't make it, you, I, I just love this idea, which is what our church teaches, write your own story with Christ, hear him. Um, that's a core doctrinal foundational point of the church is personal revelation. And um, for, you know, for everybody. <laughs> um but you've both spent a lot of time in thought and prayer. And, you know, Liz, you went on that mission. You both went on missions, but I'm just aware that Liz is wrestling with her sexual orientation. At least you talked about it more during your mission. You're wondering about Ryan. You're wondering, you know, and you just bravely go serve. And during that time, I think you became more aware, more self-aware of your sexual orientation. and so. One of the things I often invite um, younger Latter day Saints that are queer that may not be sure about their future is I would still really consider a mission. I'd be prayerful about it and I'd receive, as for personal revelation, you may bless a lot of people, um, which will bring you great satisfaction to help people come into Christ through our church, but it may be a wonderful time for you to just grow and mature and, um, I write about three or four, you know, I'm on their email distribution, openly gay missionaries that that you look at their Facebook profile and it says gay Latter-day Saint right there in their mission profile. So I'm not saying you two should have done that, but I just think more are becoming aware of their sexual orientation earlier, owning it earlier. And I think that leads to just better choices and better personal revelation and and making decisions, at, not out of fear, out of a reaction, or out of pain, or out of vulnerability, which you've all felt, but just out of, I'm my best personal self right now, so I'm going to make an intentional decision that feels right for me, and I'm going to own that. I'm. It's not a reaction to anything, and at the end of the day, it's just going to be, you know, in the case you two and Jesus judging you, we're all going to be gone, we're not going to be part of that conversation, <laughs> Um, sometime in the next life, it's you two and Jesus or however that works. But so I also wrote down, you know, sometimes I'd have, this is back to not trying to counsel bishops here. I'm just a rank and file member. But a couple of times I met with as a YSA bishop, people that were not active. And I would often ask them just what can I do to support you? Um, I, yeah, I kind of want them to be active in the church and get a temple recommend, but there were a few that didn't want that. Um, so I would just say, what can I do to support you? And they often had things that I could do to help them. And I just decided to make that not conditional on them returning to church or get a temple recommend. I just felt, because I looked at Christ's ministry, that that's what Christ do. I was just going to love them and within the things that I could do as a a local leader, what I could do to help them. And a few did come back to church, but that wasn't an agenda. It wasn't like a transactional relationship. I just love these YSAs because they deserve to be loved. Um, One story is just one young man active in the church felt his path wasn't to serve a mission. And at first I felt well, my job was to get him on a mission. And then I just listened to him for a long time (laughs) And I sensed he was pretty beat up and he was about ready to leave the church because he was just getting defined by somebody that wasn't going on a mission. I just said his name's in my second book when I wrote about him with his permission. I said, Adrian, I'll, you just need to feel welcome here. You know, if you, do you want to go to the temple? And he wanted to go to the temple. And so it's just a story of a principle of well, I'll walk with you and what can I do? To support you, and you write, you sort of write the agenda, um, and I'll kind of walk with you and help you. So maybe some of that applies to, you know, anybody that's working in their ward with the same-sex couple. What can I do to support you? Um, What? Go ahead, go ahead, Liz.
2: Um, And just just speaking to any church leaders here, um, a lot of queer members have a lot of trauma surrounding church leadership and bishops and things uh either outdated beliefs that they had held on to that came into light during conversations with them or fears that we've built up in our head. Um and so the the gentler and the the kinder and the more um open to listening you can be the the safer and the more welcome Uh, queer members will feel at church and we've connected with a lot of people who had essentially pursued the third option and then are recently attempting to return to activity and you often are their first point of contact uh, when they return into a into one of our chapels and yeah just there's a lot of anxiety there and so the way that you receive us can have a huge impact. And, um, yeah. So you have a lot of power to to help us feel loved and, and safe in a church space when we maybe historically haven't felt that way.
0: Then I think, Liz, what can you do to sort of, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of brainstorming here. If I, I'm not, if I were a homeward bishop, And had a same-sex couple attending, I might just proactively meet with them and said, you know, let's read the handbook together. And the handbook doesn't require me to do disciplinary counsel, so I have no plans to do that. And I have the priesthood keys for this ward. And um, unless you want to do a disciplinary counsel because you want to return to full membership, which would probably require you splitting up, you know, let's just take that off the table so you don't wonder one day if that's going to come. So. The drip, that drip, would, drip. That
2: would, I know for us that would be huge, just so knowing the, there's not plans or tentative plans in the works there. And maybe the stake
0: president needs to be involved in that. And so they're both priesthood leaders are on the same page, but it just takes the anxiety because there is probably a lot of anxiety. And there's a lot of, I've read a lot of social media posts of people trying to be, you know, come to church and then they do go through a disciplinary council and it's really difficult for them. Um and then I think you know another thing we can do is create a culture that if you know if um you know if you're trying to come back and you're just wanting a safe place that you know as a young man's leader, a young woman's leader, I'm just constantly saying kind things about people in different political parties, people that have I'm working through addictions, people that have left the church, people have questions, so I'm just people of different races, people that are illegal. <laughs> And so you just without saying it directly, you just eventually it creates a culture around you that I can probably open up to this person about the realities of my life because all I hear this person talking about is just kind things about everybody we don't usually talk about. And that's what Christ did, I think, in his ministry. So I love that sort of Liz, what can we do to take, you know, because there's trauma there. And what can we do to to make it a safer culture for awards? One of the things I did is that uh, I want to f- make it feel like I'm the success story of a YSA bishop because I could probably find some people who come on the podcast and say I was a terrible YSA bishop. Anyway, <laughs> um, one of the things I did towards the end of being a YSA bishop is I started to post kind things about queer people on social media. And um, just using church quotes, it wasn't like, you know, they were just there's church quotes. And it was interesting what happened is Actually, no more YSAs came out to me, but a bunch of the straight YSAs, including some that were completely inactive, just said, Okay, I can talk to this guy. I am not Mm -hmm. queer, but I have things going on in my life, and I know he is a safe person for me. So, there's a principle there about creating a culture in your family, your ward, or whatever your circle of influence is in the church, so that people feel safe opening up to you. Mm -hmm. And the trauma or the wondering of what next sort of angsty thing you're going to hear can be toned down more thoughts on any of that. You're getting me talking more than I, I want to make sure this isn't my story. This is your story.
1: No, I, I love what you're saying. I think that, that whole concept that you mentioned, I was thinking about how wonderful it is to be the concept of being spoken to instead of about So, an inviting, hmm. you know, the, if there are members of your ward that you're concerned about, inviting them into the conversation, you know, and saying, "Hey, like," and and you know, people can be honest. We know that we can be a bit of a a, a puzzle for ward leaders, you know, when <laughs> when we're first sort of they're first sort of confronted with uh, <laughs> with the concept, and um, when we're invited into that conversation with them, you know, uh, it's it, I don't know, it feels a lot. Better, it feels a lot more um, understanding. I guess I don't know. Just, just more like it's a um, like we're working together to find a solution instead of being worked against, and it does ease a lot of that anxiety to be a part of that conversation.
0: I love that, Ryan, and I love the symbolism of even we shouldn't even be sitting on opposite sides of the desk, and and so I'm thinking of the physical implication, you know. It's like we're sitting in the same room working on the same problem um, versus we're on two different sides of the room or two different sides of the desk. Um, And I think of gathering of Israel being, you know, all the people you tried to find in your respective missions to bring under Christ. And you two, you two are Israel and you need to feel gathered when you're at church. You need to feel welcome, love, belonging, and gathered um, as part of the body of Christ because you are your heavenly father's children and that hasn't changed <laughs> and you're good women and so I'm I you're brave and I love your Instagram account and um we'll put the Instagram account in the show notes and anything else you'd like to say in closing
2: just um for those that are are queer who are listening um just know that there's a lot of hope ahead whatever that looks like for you um, and for loved ones and, and friends of, of queer folks that are listening, um, if you're listening to this and your loved one has chosen a path that's different than ours, I invite you to resist the urge to uh, send this to them for the purpose of uh, trying to get them to choose a different way. We um, have received a lot of messages from very like, well-intended parents saying oh my my queer child has left the church um but now I hope that they'll do what you're doing um and maybe if if that's if that's what they want or if that's something they're seeking, then that's great but um I just encourage you to honor the agency and the the personal revelation of your loved ones and um just because this is our path it doesn't mean it's um supposed to be theirs.
0: thank you thank you Ryan and Liz Giles for joining us um, check out the show notes for their instagram account and act down the impressions you felt and if you're an ally or parent a local leader and um, if you're queer um, hopefully this is a podcast that helps you as you're navigating your path forward and hopefully you have a little more hope and a little more peace and know God loves you and And this is Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.